0: top Republican email accounts compromised, when can we expect GDPR fines, and wrapping up a busy year of ISMG summits. These stories and more, in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. While the 2016 presidential election is still mired by the WikiLeaks' release of Democratic Party emails, It appears that it is now the turn of the Republicans, with news this week that National Republican Congressional Committee emails have been spied on for months. ISMG's Managing Editor, Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk, has the details.
1: In the run-up to the midterm elections last month, the hacking front was fairly quiet. Social networks watched diligently for misinformation campaigns, and states kept vigilant watch for signs of election interference – The U.S. government sought to reassure the public of the integrity of voting systems following the tumultuous events of the 2016 presidential election. But on Tuesday, Politico reported that the National Republican Congressional Committee was hacked. Thousands of emails from four senior aides were exposed after their accounts were compromised for several months earlier this year. But few details have been released about the incident, which was investigated by CrowdStrike, which is one of the NRCC security contractors. The emails from the accounts do not appear to have been publicly released. In theory, the NRCC should have been on high alert after the information disclosure and hacking campaign that damaged the Democratic Party two years ago. U.S. intelligence agencies believe that operation was launched on orders from Russian President Vladimir Putin. Politico's report apparently caught senior Republican leadership off guard as the NRCC kept the incident under wraps as the investigation continued. That concealment, Politico reports, was intended to not compromise the investigation. It's unclear when the attackers gained access to the NRCC accounts. Politico quotes anonymous sources as saying the attacker is thought to be a foreign agent. In an email to ISMG, CrowdStrike says it was already contracted by the NRCC to protect its internal corporate network, which was not compromised in this incident. The FBI did not have a comment. The most likely avenue that led to the hacking is phishing. That's when attackers trick victims into divulging their account credentials through fake login pages that appear to be those of legitimate providers. That was the primary attack mode that compromised the Democratic National Committee officials in 2016. The best defense against phishing is multi-factor authentication, which can require a time-sensitive passcode to be entered in order to access an account. The tool can repel account takeover attempts. But users could still be vulnerable if their two-step code is stolen and used before it can expire. It's unclear whether the NRCC mandated two-step verification on its accounts, but over the next few days, that question will likely be posed. It's a reminder, once again, to use the security tools on hand to protect sensitive email accounts, as a compromise can be just one fish away. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG
2: Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news.
0: Europe's General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR as it's more commonly known, has been in effect since May of this year. Since then, we've seen data breaches of British Airways, Cathay Pacific, and most recently Marriott. But to date, the regulation has not resulted in any fines. So just when will GDPR show its teeth? According to Matthew Schwartz, ISMG's executive editor data breach today in Europe, you probably shouldn't hold your breath. Here's Matthew.
3: When will European privacy regulators finally bring the full force of Europe's tough new privacy law to bear on organizations that suffer massive data breaches, putting people's sensitive information at risk? The answer is that even once there's a breach that's worthy of maximum GDPR fines, we probably wouldn't see any such fines for up to a year after the breach first comes to light. And the EU's General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, has only been in effect since May 25th. But that hasn't stopped numerous privacy watchers from asking, every time a new breach gets revealed, whether European privacy watchdogs might impose maximum fines on that breached business. Such questions have been asked following numerous recent breach reports, affecting the likes of everyone from British Airways and Cathay Pacific to Dixon's Carphone and more recently, Marriott. Under GDPR, the new fines are a big deal. Previously, in the UK, for example, the Information Commissioner's Office, which is the country's privacy watchdog, could impose maximum fines of £500,000, which is about $640,000. Since full GDPR enforcement began in May, however, EU countries can impose fines of up to £18 million, equivalent to about $23 million or up to 4% of an organization's annual global revenue, whichever of the two is greater. Separately, organizations that fail to comply with GDPR's reporting requirements also face fines of up to £9 million, which is about $11 million, or 2% of annual global revenue, again, whichever penalty is greater. But European privacy regulators have been clear that these are not meant to be punitive sanctions. Organizations that try to do the right thing won't be punished simply for failing. GDPR also requires that organizations that learn that they've been breached must inform the relevant authority within 72 hours, at least for many types of breaches. Again, this isn't meant to be a gotcha, but rather so regulators can help. So when might we see maximum sanctions imposed on a company because of its poor data security practices, leading to a breach or other mishandling of Europeans' private data? From a timeline standpoint, taking the UK as an example, before GDPR came into effect, the ICO has only imposed the maximum fine under the Data Protection Act, which was 500,000 pounds, on two occasions. Once against Equifax for its massive 2017 breach, and once against Facebook over its poor data security controls, which helped facilitate the Cambridge Analytica scandal. In both cases, the ICO took pains to note that it imposed the maximum penalty because of the egregious nature of the breaches. In addition, it said that both organizations, which are incredibly well-resourced and which make significant amounts of money by buying, selling, trading, and storing and processing people's personal data, clearly should have had better information security practices in place. It's also worth noting that the ICO's investigations often take up to a year to conclude, as counted from the day a breached organization first discloses its breach. Such was the case with Equifax, TalkTalk, as well as Uber, all of whom were subject to ICO fines. Hence, even if the Marriott breach first disclosed on November 30th becomes one of the first data breach incidents to lead to major fines under GDPR, it's likely that we won't see any such fines for another year. In other words, if you're waiting to see maximum GDPR enforcement, don't plan on anything happening until the latter half of 2019 at the earliest. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz.
0: And finally, myself and the rest of the event team have just completed our last ISMG Summit of 2018, with a successful and engaging two-day Breach Prevention Summit in Washington, D.C. Between sessions, I stole a few minutes of time with Tom Field, ISMG's SVP of Editorial, to talk with him about his highlights for the year and what we can expect in 2019. First of all, Tom, how
2: many of these have you done? Oh my, I was counting earlier. I believe that we have done thirteen summits in two thousand and eighteen, and that would be in the US, Canada, Sao Paulo, Brazil, yeah. the UK, and in India. So thirteen summits in five countries.
0: So that's racking up some air miles for sure. <laughs> racking, up, <laughs> racking up some insight for a lot of yeah. people. So I mean what what are the key takeaways? What are they that's sort of the highlights for the year as far as you're concerned? Oh, I think that the highlights
2: of this year, as far as our summits go, is that we've been able to bring in some new speakers in each of the regions. I think we've made these unique. Mm -hmm. In some ways, we bring in some speakers of national renown. That could be Aviva Lighten of Gartner or Art Caviello, the former chairman of RSA, as keynote speakers. And they can come to several events throughout a year. But then we brought in, in each region, CISOs from that area, people from financial institutions or healthcare entities or government agencies, so that there's a, a unique aspect to each one of these. So you could be talking about common issues such as data analytics or the insider threat or ransomware or regulatory compliance, but we're able to have local spin local contributions on each of those topics.
0: I think I'd echo that, certainly I've I've found, there's I don't know how many I've done, not as many as you this year, but certainly there is a lot of regional variations, so obviously New York is more financially focused, Uh, the Dallas one was more about sort of uh, critical infrastructure and oil, gas, railroads, so on and so forth, Um, and here in DC obviously more public sector, So.
2: Yeah, Yeah, we're at the D.C. event this week, so we had the executive director of cybersecurity for President Trump's office at the White House here. We've had Ron Ross of NIST and Dignette DiPiero of the American Bankers Association. It's been a a broad range of people that we've brought in, but I think what has impressed me the most is that these summits have been a place where people have been able to engage. Yeah. So the speakers have spoken to the sponsors, the sponsors have spoken to the attendees. There's been a fraternity, you could yeah. say, of people having the chance to network with folks they wouldn't otherwise get yeah. a chance to speak to. If they can do that yeah. in our salon, so to speak, yeah. that's a huge victory for I, I
0: totally agree. I mean, I, I, one of my, my favorite things is just, you know, the networking and it's, the, these conferences are, you know, fairly compact in terms of the number of attendees you get, but I really like the... Um, Again, that, that, that ability to interact with the speakers, the attendees, the sponsors and so on, it's, it's very, um, you know, certainly I think it's, it's far more interactive and um, valuable than many other events I go to.
2: And you know what? And Pay attention to 2019. One of right. the other things we've done in 2018 is we started partnerships in other regions where we do what we call the cyber Ed talks, where right. we bring the summit format to a region that doesn't speak English necessarily, and we work with a local partner. We did that in Brazil. Well, next year we're going to do it in Chile. We're going to do it in Portugal. You're going to see us in more regions, in more cities in the U.S. as well. And we're going to be bringing on New speakers with new topics. Yes, you know, um, we aren't going to distinguish ourselves if we're talking about what everybody else is yeah. with the same people that are talking about it elsewhere. So I'm personally on a search right now to bring new people,
0: new voices to our stages. I'm very much looking forward to it. I am yeah. as well. Yeah, good. Well, thanks for the conversation. Um, let, let's wrap up this conference. Nick, happy holidays and we'll see you in 2019. Happy holidays, Tom. Appreciate it. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. The music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.